Greetings and salutations, everybody. This is the Inciting Moment podcast coming at you with a special episode in which uh, we got ourselves a new cast member. <laughs> uh, that cast member sitting right over here, mystery person. Uh, who are you? Why, hello. My name is Harrison, and I heard just a rumor that we were going to be talking about Bart the Bear, so I have forcibly made my way into the recording studio. <laughs> yes, Smokey's lesser-known cousin, an unfortunate alcoholic who's recently gotten better. Right, right. He's he's reformed himself. He, he changed for the better, and you know what? Kudos to him, really. So, Harrison, uh, you're a pretty interesting dude from the talks that we've had in terms of uh, seeing if you were right for the job, and so far it seems like it's a pretty promising one. Let me ask you, buddy, just to kind of get an idea of what you look for in movies, uh, what are your yes. favorite kind of movies? Uh, favorite kinds of movies? They would be uh, kaiju films, mm -hmm. martial arts, and heist movies. Oh, okay. That's an interesting mixture right there. <laughs> so you're a fan of... Uh, Fan of Japanese kaiju, is that right? Yes. Okay, name every kaiju. Okay, movie. Uh, name them all right now, or else you're not a real fan. Alright, I got you. Uh Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, Mecha King Ghidorah. We don't count regular King Ghidorah, just Mecha. Just uh, Mecha. Gamera. <laughs> uh those that random island of women that summon Rodan by singing. <laughs> God, you, I, you, I feel like I feel one. like there's so many movies overlapping here. I think uh, there is quite, quite. All right. Well, uh, with these movies that you always look forward to seeing all the time, what is it you like the most about them? I am just a huge fan of really well done scenes. That's why I like animated movies a lot too. Oh, like okay. if it's like looking at a moving painting, essentially. Gotcha. Certain okay. scenes, they're just done in such a way where you can kind of just look back at it and go, I like how this looks. I may mm -hmm. as well watch it again. I don't I don't care for watching the whole movie and want to go. I'm just going to look up this one scene again on my phone. Oh, yeah, because there's plenty of those movies where, much to David Lynch's um, dismay, uh, I, too, will watch it again on my phone because there are just certain scenes in all kinds of different movies where it is the perfect combination of vision, execution, planning, blocking, and it just all comes together to make this visually impressive scene, both in animation and live action, and I can totally see what you're talking about. And the other thing I always look forward to is in the really old kaiju movies, the fake blood they used was bright pink, and it always cracked me up. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you know shifting it to pink or green or yellow that 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 changes it completely and isn't too violent too gory at all you know it's a -okay. exactly it bumps it down <laughs> a, a notch on the rating system that's not blood that's pea soup come on no it's like it's like if you ever played the doug and rapa games they get away with the teen rating because they just use bright colors oh. instead <laughs> of blood. oh i know what you're talking about yeah definitely you do what you got to yeah, you you gotta find your way around some of those uh, those little detractments from uh, vision, you know, with all that censorship. You know, you you gotta pull out all the stocks for that, definitely. Uh, well, it should of course be brought up uh, as to uh, why Harrison is 
now joining us for the podcast, and that is because when it comes to the cast of the Inciting Moment podcast, there have been a couple shifts. Uh, for one thing, uh, James, while he is going to still do his best to join us, uh, he has actually gotten a new job, personal schedules, it, it kind of conflicts a little bit, uh, but sometimes there is a chance that he'll be able to have our day of recording uh, free so that he may join us. Um, so here's to hoping that that'll be frequent enough somewhere in the future. He's still starting off and whatnot. Um, but, uh, Scott, our buddy Scott, who has been, uh, with us, uh, for just about every episode for the most part, uh, up until now, um, he has had some stuff that he's had to juggle in his own time. And with how much that has been weighing on him, you know, I talked with him about it. And um, for the sake of, uh, you know, being able to put his time into that and not feel overwhelmed by a bunch of other stuff and commitments that he has to stick to, uh, sadly, he will not be joining us on the podcast uh, within the future. I have left it open to where if uh, Scott changes his mind and he'd like to join us later on, he is more than welcome to. Uh, but for now, we are going to respect his decision and uh, go on ahead. And we'll hope that the uh, Florida man doesn't get him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, part of all that weight is probably the fact that, well, he's in Florida. He's got he's to gotta dodge the, uh, the the crocodiles and crazy Florida men. Florida yes. in itself is a mental toll on one's being. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, with how uh, it never ever, ever really is quote-unquote cold in Florida. That means he has to fight off those crocs and gators in his sewer uh, all year round, so I'm pretty sure they're they're starting to multiply oh, and, it also uh, fortify means, the western front. It also means he has to fight off the birds that just decide to leave up here and go down there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no, that's true! God, yeah, that and, and that's Oh, that, that's a toll on you, let me tell you. Fighting off all of those things at once, that's that's no bueno, honestly. Yeah, no, like, the thing I look forward to in the winter up here is that the geese leave. Yeah, and geese can be assholes. <laughs> like, major assholes, they, 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 don't, they don't screw around. Yeah, no, just, uh, just like our movie. Oh, no, not like our movie at all. No, we'll have some things to say about no, I'm good. 1997's The Edge, because, uh, ooh, that was that was quite the ride. But you're going to have to bear with us till we get there. Oh. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. You love it. Shut the fuck Don't lie to me. I kind of do. Okay. For the time being, Harrison, if it wasn't stressed yep. enough, happy to have you on here. And you, mm -hmm. so far, it seems like you're going to bring quite a bit to the podcast. Just like the, what, what's his name? Charles in this movie. He just yeah! shows up in the woods and starts talking about how you can start a fire with ice. And everyone's just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, the other characters find him quite unbearable. Uh, keeps on asking, do you know how to make fire from ice while someone's having a mental breakdown? But, of course, we'll go into the nitty-gritty of that. Yeah, we just got to catch our bearings. First... We have a little something to talk about. A little something that at first was mainly just me sharing my uh, thoughts on the show, but 
frankly, the show, because it is connected to a much larger franchise, uh, a franchise that, um, if it wasn't clear enough uh, within the past couple years, has had a few issues. And by a few, I, of course, mean uh, a lot of issues. <laughs> uh, some not so bad, you know. Um, it's led to some good stuff that came out of it, but um, it does kind of bring up something that probably needs a little bit of attention going forward. Um, but the show in question is a little show that was released uh, on a weekly basis, episode by episode, uh, on Disney+. Plus. That show being the book of Boba Fett, or as I like to call it, the book of Boba Fett, where? He's just, he's that good of a bounty hunter. Oh yeah, he's that good of a bounty hunter that he disappears and a completely different character just hijacks his show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll, 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 uh, we'll explain that little tidbit in just a second, but the book of Boba Fett, uh, as you can probably tell by the, uh, title is a show where uh, the the titular character Boba Fett, famous from uh, the Star Wars franchise, uh, does his best to become a New York Times bestseller. Put out a autobiography on being a single dad in the midst of the uh, the galaxy far, far away, and how it's a hard knock life for him. Oh, sorry, hang on, that 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 was the wrong script. Uh, no, instead he's actually trying to uh, leave the life of being a bounty hunter. And is instead trying to become essentially a, a, a more positive version of what Jabba the Hutt used to be, which is a crime lord on uh, the, the Dune Sea of Tatooine. So, what you're jazz. telling me is it's a reverse of Breaking Bad. Yes. Breaking Good, if you will. Breaking Good, indeed. Which kind of goes hand in hand with uh, some of the liberties taken with uh boba fett's character and all that because um if we were to start anywhere this show was fascinating uh in terms of its its well really existence because boba fett if you're going purely by the movies the shows and uh whether that be animated or live action shows boba fett as a character, has almost been non-existent and mainly just a really cool-looking dude in uh, olive green armor that kind of does cool things in the background of some of the movies. And I mean, it was enough to where people uh, really liked him over the years, uh, to the point where I, um, obviously, uh, spoiler alert for the film from 1983 that if you haven't seen by now, what are you doing? Uh, Return mm -hmm. of the Jedi. Uh, Boba Fett does kind of die in a sort of silly, comedic way and falls into that Sarlacc pit. And uh, with the popularity of him and the outcry for him being killed off in such a haphazard way, uh, even George Lucas said, if I had known how popular Boba Fett was at the time and was also going to be, I, I would have uh, not had him die in that manner. Just to sort of point at... <laughs> You know, the, mm -hmm. the influence of Boba Fett, you know? My favorite thing, though, with Boba Fett and that Starlight Pit, right, is mm -hmm. when they did the EU, like the Extended Universe, for yeah. the comic series that he had, he escapes, and then has Starlight Pit PTSD, and then proceeds to fall in at least two more Starlight Pits. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
he he got out of the Sarlacc pit once, but then somehow fell back into not a different one. No, 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 the same one, and then got out again. Yeah, very silly stuff. And uh, I hope that he does not fall back in in the new canon. That would be very silly. Hey, how do you think they're gonna end the next season? Uh, well, uh, well, that's 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 the thing, Harrison. Uh, talking about the show Book of Boba Fett, uh, I, I I'm a little iffy on if there is going to be a second season. <laughs> because let's let's just get Oof. straight to the thing. Book of Boba Fett. It is not terrible. There are actually some really good moments that I actually think make char- uh, uh, a, 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 the character of Boba Fett kind of compelling and interesting and unique, especially because um, uh, Din Djarin, the, the current Mando, the chrome one from The Mandalorian, he's almost become like the newer Boba Fett and kind of embodied what Boba Fett used to be. So naturally, w- w- when you have Boba Fett come back, you have to do some stuff to differentiate the two um obviously the the one thing that uh boba fett hangs on to from his uh previous incarnations is that um he's not really cut up about killing people (laughs) which uh you you are reminded of uh several times uh throughout the book of boba fett but it's also just the fact that like uh uh the whole thing with boba fett is that he is a former bounty hunter that is um, sick of being used as like a tool and being put in harm's way because uh, his employers were assholes. So he wants to be something bigger than that. And uh, being a crime lord is, uh, to him, the next best thing from just being some other bounty hunter and all that. And we have our vices. Oh yeah, we have our vices. We have our vices, including uh, constantly... Sleeping in a tank full of uh, Mountain Dew Baja Blast. <laughs> the future is indeed a strange place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that's what Baja Blast does. It completely heals you of any ailments, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but but uh, the concept of the show is interesting, you know. Boba Fett's trying to become larger than what he was before and sort of... Uh, take over the role that Jabba had, but the big different uh, difference between him and Jabba is that whereas Jabba was like this callous, um, you know, monster of a person that uh, ruled primarily through fear, Boba Fett wants to rule through uh, respect. Being like, hey, listen, as long as we mutually respect each other, we won't have any problems. But if that's not the case, well, mm, we might have some problems. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, there's multiple times where uh, there are people that um, either through Jabba or through just Tatooine in general, they uh, they should technically have some grievance with Boba Fett, and Boba Fett, f- f- by all intents and purposes, could just be like Jabba and just kill them off and... and have that be the end of it, but instead Boba goes, hmm, you know what? You're pretty good at trying to kill people. How's about you work for me instead? Mm-hmm. And uh, for the most part, it seems to pay off overall pretty well, because he gets some pals and whatnot to help him out throughout the show, but the big problem is that Boba Fett as a character 
you have the starting points where it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, he wants to rule to respect. He wants to be more than just a bounty hunter. He, he wants to move on from just being a tool for other people and stuff like that. The execution, however, is where a lot of things fall flat. And, uh, Sam, I know you've been able to, you know, kind of read up on some of the things that happened in that, and I've even had a little bit of a conversation with you about um, some of the just... <laughs> Really weird things that happen and stuff like that. And I don't know. Uh, I want to ask you guys something. Um, you have in total seven episodes, right? To tell the story of Boba Fett trying to be a crime lord. One of the most popular Star Wars characters ever. You have seven episodes to really flesh out his character. And well, first off, make him an actual character. That's one thing. What is your opinion on the idea where two whole episodes of a show called The Book of Boba Fett doesn't even have Boba Fett at the helm of those episodes, and instead is on a completely separate character from a completely separate show doing his completely separate stuff? Well, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. I don't know if it would pay off. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, it really doesn't. It really, really doesn't. And of course, what, what what I'm paying reference to is the fact that uh, two episodes um, completely, you know, sidetrack away from Boba Fett and his whole situation, and instead go to uh, the Mando, Din Djarin, from, well, The Mandalorian, you know, the completely separate show that's had two seasons now. And uh, the thing is, is that the previous episode, when he shows up, it is hinted that they are going to try and ask him, hey, help us out with trying to take on these syndicate gang guys in order to, uh, you know, take control of uh, Tatooine and stuff like that. And, you know, his return is interesting because he open the episode opens up. He's in like this meat locker kind of spot. He's after a bounty. And he's like cleaving through these guys because he's got the uh, the 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 dark saber because he got that at the end of the uh, second season, you know he's he's chopping people up and stuff like that. Really cool action, a lot better action than some of the other scenes from earlier episodes, which I don't know, man. I don't know how that happened, but yeah. So decent entrance, and then the episode just keeps going and going, and I'm like, uh. Okay, are, are we just gonna have him like go to Tatooine now? Is this what? Go oh, okay. No, no, no. We're still going. He's uh, he's 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 fighting another Mandalorian over ownership of the the dark saber. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, all right. So now are we gonna go to Tatooine? Oh, okay. No, no. This is okay then. Uh, this is just the Mandalorian now. I mean, I don't know about you, Ian, but I'm colorblind enough not to tell the difference between the Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Same, same thing. <laughs> I mean, technically speaking, yeah. And I mean, it, it was said that the book of Boba Fett was going to be a spinoff already, but the title itself says Book of Boba Fett. That's clear enough that it's an indication this is the Boba Fett show. So for it to all of a sudden detract into the Mandalorian and just be set up for the next season, it it, it kind of cheats Boba Fett out of his time. Because if I had to sum up my biggest problem with the show, it's that um, 
it 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 doesn't feel like it developed its own story enough. It didn't know what it wanted to be, you know. Wait, I it just dawned upon me. Hmm. It's the classic Disney move. Oh? To have you need to watch an unrelated, somewhat related TV show to understand what is going on in the next movie. Uh... <laughs> so what they're also doing with Marvel, too, with all their Disney Plus shows. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how they're going to handle that, like, because they're still putting out the movies and stuff like that. So I don't know, man. Um... I don't know. I assume it's a similar situation given of the wording and being a pseudo spinoff and then them closing up a story arc from a different TV show within this TV show. And uh, it's just, it's strange. Yeah, strange it move. is strange. Has a hint of uh, a lack of confidence in what they were going for with Boba Fett. So they tried to like lean on something that was familiar with the Mandalorian. They're like, Man, we don't know if this Boba Fett's working as well. Let's, uh, Let's throw in the Mandalorian. That shit was popular. And I would get it if you showed up for, like, you know, an episode or two. It's like, oh, hey, mm-hmm. you know, this is the same universe shit, but taking over completely two episodes. Sounds a bit silly for how little episodes there are. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you make a very good point, Sam. I, I do think it was perhaps a lack of confidence. Or that <laughs> there's another chance it was the fact that the actual writers just I guess maybe lost interest with writing Boba Fett's story at a certain point. They're just like, uh, let's do some more interesting stuff because here's the sad part, right? It's the Boba Fett show, but two of the best episodes are the Mandalorian episodes. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing too is, Bob- it's, I guess the thing to put it is, Boba Fett has the same sort of appeal as Samus or Link. They don't uh-huh. talk. They look cool. And the second you give them a voice, you get a situation like the other M games for Metroid. I see where you're coming from, but I feel like with Boba Fett, with his history, both with like you know books, comics, uh, movies, and stuff like that, all, all that you know coming together, I I think there's a middle ground in terms of how you can handle that. Because Boba Fett's cool enough to where, like, no, 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 I, I, I want him to be an actual character and stuff like that. And um, one big criticism that I can uh, agree with when it comes to handling turning him into an actual character when going off of just his time in the movies is that he does talk too much from time to time. And I feel like his partner, Fennec, uh, basically his right-hand woman... Um, really some of those lines should have been given to her and it's funny that i was thinking that because tamuera morrison the guy playing boba fett which by the way he is easily the best part of the show hands down he does such a great job as boba fett uh he was even saying uh that he talked to the director of uh, some of the episodes and was saying hey listen can can she say some of my lines i i feel like i'm talking too much and it's taking away from boba fett's like kind of stoic reserved you know mannerisms and stuff like that he, he really only talks when he needs to you know and he he i i think has a point really uh the other big criticism is that um sometimes boba fett seems like a little bit too much of a pushover like there's a lot of action scenes where he's like getting uh like pushed around thrown around 
And granted, one scene in particular is him fighting a literal Wookiee, so I mean, I, you know, a, a little one-sided, <laughs> you know, but some of the scenes I feel like could have been handled better, and I think if I had to bring up another thing that maybe contributed to Boba Fett and, and his show having such wildly differing quality from like episode to episode because it is a roller coaster when it comes to like being really good stuff and then really bad stuff uh it's the direction there are times where it just feels very flat and not that creative what i found interesting was that the episodes that i really didn't like they were directed by a longtime director i mean he's done quite a few things uh robert rodriguez I mean, he's done movies like uh, Desperado and uh, not too long ago, that Alita Battle Angel movie. And I mean, those were pretty good. Oh, no, Alita was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was wondering, well, now, what happened with this? Like, did he have some restrictions and stuff like that? Because it really didn't feel like the writing was always the, the problem. Uh, a lot of it really just did come down to the fact that, like, a lot of the scenes just felt very stilted, very wooden, and I, I shit you not, guys. It was sometimes to the point where I was getting flashbacks to the prequel trilogy, and I'm like, oh, come on, guys, we're, we're, we're past this. Hey, hey, the, the prequels, that is a work of art. It's a national treasure. Oh, no. It's a mean no. reservoir. No, uh, they they went in to try to make a movie, but it's like the room, but for nerds. Yeah, it is, it's beautiful. Every little <laughs> tiny thing and touch that they do in this movie, wonderful. And it's such a weird roller coaster. Uh -huh. The prequels. I mean, hey, they are an oddity, and I'll sometimes watch them purely for that. But the the problem is, is that you know, we're kind of more, at least nowadays, we're a little bit more about, like, actual good quality Star Wars, and I don't want to knock Robert's, you know, body of work, because he has a good, like, back catalog of movies and stuff like that that he's done, but at the same time, I was seeing a couple of his other films uh, in his, like, IMDb and stuff like that, and I will say, looking at some of it, it is a little inconsistent, here and there, mm -hmm. like in terms of some of the stuff that he has done, um, he he's gone between like really good shit, like Alita: Battle Angel, and Desperado. Where Desperado in particular, if you told me that that was kind of what they were gonna do, but with Boba Fett, I'm like, oh yeah, go with that. That makes sense. But then you also have to remember, Robert had a lot of movies where the whole shtick with them was that they were trying to be very low budget and kind of like bare bones because that's the aesthetic. Because he's also a big fan of like those Grindhouse movies where they're like very, very bare bones and uh, not that polished and stuff like that. So it, it's it's very inconsistent in terms of quality when you do look at his body of work and... I mean, for one thing, uh, he, he is the guy that did Spy Kids. <laughs> so, I mean, that also, you know, just, just, just to kind of put that out there, that, that, that also kind of explains things when you really think about it. <laughs> Take it as you will.
now that you bring that up, right? Mm-hmm. I can kind of see it because I I will sh- shamefully admit that I have seen all of the Spy Kids movies as a kid, and I I can kind of see the semblance there. Although, fantastic villain writing for one of the monologues, like love to quote one line, and when people ask where it's from, you just go, "Oh yeah, no, it's from Spy Kids." Mm-hmm. I know, I know exactly <laughs> what quote you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was the fact that uh, Star Wars, in terms of like you know sets and uh, uh, how you capture all this this action that has to happen, maybe it was a little bit much for him. Because I mean, Desperado, it's got some big set pieces, but overall, it, it it's a bit smaller than. Uh, I guess I some of the that. like set pieces of uh, of of Boba Fett, like there are yeah. train chases where like the, uh, Boba Fett and a bunch of Tuscan Raiders are like trying to raid a uh, uh, a syndicate train in order to stop them transporting uh, like spice and stuff like that, which is basically yep. um, space crack. <laughs> so so basically, Tatooine is Florida. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Ian, so what I'm getting you're saying is that uh, the wider scope kind of pushed him over the edge. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, pushed him over the edge where where, where everybody gets chased by uh, Bart the Bear. Bart the Bear, Godspeed. The fucking hungry, hungry, hungry boy. He very hungry. <laughs> if they just gave him sliced ham, I mean, that would have been a-okay. Oh, you no, know, he just wants some ham. That's <laughs> not going to stop a bear. But I will say, if for some reason, Hasbro, you're listening, and you ever get the idea to make a Hungry Hungry Hippos movie, use this as a base. <laughs> no! Mm-hmm. No! Oh, it's Lord. They've done Battleship. What's the uh, they They did. They they'd made Battleship. And I mean, it makes you wonder, when are they going to have the cinematic universe of board game movies? When are we going to get Jenga? I mean, wasn't that Jenga Unchained? <laughs> no no that wasn't oh i must have watched the wrong one shoot <laughs> maybe maybe are you sure you didn't watch like one of those like really obscure netflix originals or something like that oh no i tried to pirate it it was just people stacking jenga towers oh <laughs> riveting I-, I i mean probably would be a lot better than a netflix original jenga movie Netflix might be so ashamed of that that they wouldn't even put the Netflix original on it. <laughs> I mean, they put, they'll put Netflix original on anything. We could, uh, we could have something go up there, and it just be the footage of Bart the Bear. <laughs> Slap Netflix original on it, and there we go, golden. Right. <laughs> but yeah, well, no, the Edge. Yes, the Edge. The Edge, our recommended movie that I threw out there. Well, the, the, the Edge has a common theme with another film that I recommended um, a couple months ago. Uh, that movie being uh, A River Runs Through It, where, hey, it's from the 90s, specifically 1997. Uh, and much like A River Runs Through It, uh, it's in the wilderness. Uh, of course, there's a little bit less civilization. Um, much more remote, uh, and 
I watched both of these movies, or at least parts of them, which made me want to watch them again in full later on, uh, on the Toonami Aftermath stream that we uh, talked about not too long ago, uh, where it was on the movie channel, and I caught it. Uh, like, I want to say... <laughs> believe it or not, just as uh, one, one of the characters is being attacked by uh, good old Bart... <laughs> Um, and it's, it made me think, oh, oh, what is this? And I watched the rest of it and I'm like, oh, this is quite the film. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, and a lot of it was just catching my eye, like the direction, the cinematography, uh, and, and of course, just the dynamic between Alec Baldwin and, uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, throughout the film. And how they have varying different reactions to just the desperation of being out in the wilderness. And constantly, just barely surviving a particular situation. Or um, just barely, <laughs> barely um, coming across a chance to get back to civilization but, but missing it. And therefore the desperation becoming just worse. But, uh, just to kind of lay out some stuff, um, The Edge follows a group of uh, people, including uh, Charles, played by Anthony Hopkins, uh, Bob, played by Alec Baldwin, and, of course, Stephen, played by Harold Perrineau, I, I hope I pronounced that correctly, where they are heading out into the wilderness uh, to find this, uh, uh, this guy that, uh, Bob would really like to interview and take some photos of for a, uh, uh, photo shoot and whatnot. They, they leave their, uh, their, their, uh, cabin that they were staying at in order to go find him. And, uh, when some, uh, very fake looking birds crash into a plane that they are flying in, uh, they crash and get stranded in the middle of the uh, wide-open wilderness and uh, have to do their best to get back to civilization uh, while also trying to outrun the pursuit of a very, very, very hungry bear named Bart. Or at least the actor bear is named Bart. The, the bear doesn't actually have a name in the movie, but... On the cast list, it just says the Kodiak bear. Yes, the Kodiak bear. <laughs> So, gentlemen, uh, let's start with just general thoughts. What did you think of The Edge? Overall, I, I kind of dug it. it just, right. I, I didn't really have super high expectations going in, because I didn't really know anything about the movie, but uh, I, I just it, it was an overall solid piece. I'm not going to say it's the greatest movie ever, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it worked just well enough. I think, I think the characters were my biggest worry, because I thought it was going to be like, kind of like a... I mean, don't get me wrong, they're both good actors, Alec Baldwin and Anthony Hopkins. I just didn't really know how well they play off each other, but in the end, mm -hmm. I think it really worked out. Overall, I liked it. Right, I get you. Harrison, how about you? I'd say it was pretty solid. Um, it reminded me a lot of the Hatchet books that I had to, that I read as a kid. Uh-huh. Just kind of like an animated... Oh, not animated. Uh movie version of the books but with a much older protagonist as opposed to a teenage boy being an elderly man although the one thing though that kills me looking at this in hindsight 
is our protagonist's name is Charles Morse. His wife's name is Mickey. How did I not notice that her name is Mickey Morse? <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> Mickey Morse. Mickey Morse. I want to kill my husband. Hold. Uh, well, now she wasn't the one that wanted that to happen. That was just Alec. But we'll 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 get into that. <laughs> um, no, but if I were to go over my own uh, personal thoughts, I really like this movie. Uh, first off, comes from uh, I want to. I'm debating whether the '90s or 2000s were my preferred favorite. Uh, decade of movies but um honestly so far uh, i'm finding a lot more movies from the 90s that uh just do a lot more for me in terms of what i i look for in movies and of course before that within the 80s and whatnot um i guess you could say from my point of view the 90s and 2000s were like the last good couple decades of um movies because after that yeah not a whole lot that I find interesting. Much like how I've talked about, um, this is very much a concept movie where it has a situation that it very eloquently uh, sets up for the characters, which is, hey, you've crashed in the middle of the wilderness, there is no sign that anyone is going to be coming for you, and now you have to live off the land in order to make it back, you know? And, mm-hmm. and do your best to just not give up or give in to your fears and anxieties and just keep pushing along and keep your head on your shoulders and all that. And uh, when it comes to, like, the direction, the cinematography, the actual, like, the sequences and pacing and everything, uh, this is one of those movies where, with the concept in mind, I, I feel like... With the limitations that they have, being out in the middle of the wilderness having to film all this, uh, they explore this concept beautifully, in my opinion, to the best that they can. And, uh, you know, as someone who, uh, you know, much like as we were talking about, coming off a book of Boba Fett where I thought uh, the big thing is that it felt underdeveloped and not explored enough, this was refreshing because it felt like it explored everything it could. It developed everything it could. Especially given that uh, one little side plot and uh, something that throws a bit of a wrench into things. Anthony Hopkins suspects that uh, Bob is trying to kill him in order to uh, be with his uh, wife, Mickey Morse. <laughs> mm-hmm. That escalates, interestingly. <laughs> Because uh, there, there, there's there's quite a few moments where there's like, I don't want to say like psych outs or, or red herrings, but there, there, there's plenty of times where you, you second guess whether that's going to be the case, you know? Yeah, a couple fakes out, fake outs. I mean, mm-hmm. the other thing that they do a lot of in the movie is just every single person around Charles, and he slowly picks up on it, they all want something from him. They don't really care about him. Yeah, because that's the thing. Uh, Charles is a very wealthy man, and uh, Bob constantly points out that uh, as as a wealthy man, people want something from him, you know, because he has more to give in terms of, like, money or connections and stuff like that. 
Yeah, like at the very beginning, the part with the lodge, it's it's revealed that the lodge owner only wants him there because he wants his money to expand the lodge into a tourist attraction. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's being all uh, nice and hoity-toity with them, and then all of a sudden he throws out this idea for like uh, renovating like a lakeside thing or whatever, doing some project, and he throws out, oh yeah, if I could just get like twenty to forty million dollars. <laughs> Just, just casually, just casually. Yeah, and then uh, Charles just goes, "Oh, this bitch." <laughs> yeah. I honestly think he doesn't even say another word to him for like the rest of the movie. He just stops talking to him entirely. And this right. shows like one nonverbal thing at the end where they look at each other, and it's almost like he can spoiler by the way. It's almost, almost like the lodge owner can like see they killed the bear, and just like right. they get like a little nod of respect. He's also wearing the bear. Fair enough. Yeah, that's but... true. <laughs> Oh, wait, is he wearing the bear when he gets back? He has the uh, claw as a necklace. Oh, yes. Yes, he does have that. He made it for Bob. Bob tries to kill him, take his wife. And then he just helps Bob afterwards. And then Bob dies. And he just takes the necklace. Yeah, actually, that's 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 the worst thing uh, when it comes to that uh, whole reoccurring theme of uh, uh, Charles just being a person that people want something from. Uh, the whole reason Bob wants to, uh, you know, kill him is just uh, essentially saying, yeah, sh she's only with you for your money. You know, you're this wealthy dude. And, uh, you know, to me, there's not much else of a reason for her to be with you. So I'm just going to kill you. Uh, so here's a big question. I think uh, you kind of mentioned this in a conversation we had about the, the, the movie, Sam. Uh, very briefly, of course, we didn't go into too nigerty. What were your guys' thoughts on uh, Charles just being this random info uh, encyclopedia? And do you think that that, in some moments, was a little unrealistic, where he just knows all this stuff and executes it with such ease and all that? Because he, 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 he's the one that is essentially carrying the team when uh, all three of them are out in the woods. Uh, he, he's able to tell which direction is, like, south by using a pin and putting it on a leaf in water. Yep. You know? And just a bunch of other little survival things that... He's mainly the one that's, like, setting all this stuff up. I mean, the thing is, though, right? Mm-hmm. With how he acts behavior wise uh -huh. i do see it as realistic mm -hmm. because the whole thing with charles is he just loves to know things mm -hmm. his whole idea of calming someone down is asking them how if they know about a fact hmm. which isn't something that's going to work for anyone but it's something that's going to work for him right so no, and that's kind of that's kind of reassuring to a lot of the characters because, like, they're out in the middle of the wilderness and they're breaking down because they have no idea how they're gonna get back or even survive for that matter. So he'll just say things like, "Do you know how to make a fire from ice?" Yep, several several times. Yes. <laughs> God, that 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 scene in particular was the one where I, I thought with uh, Charles's character in particular really exploring him 
but also Bob, you know, just showing yeah. their dichotomy and just their contrast as people. It follows them trying to chase down a helicopter that was flying over that sadly doesn't see them and then keeps on going to another area completely separate from where they're at. And Bob, obviously, is just breaking down and getting all emotional because they were so close to getting home. And now they have to go for God knows how much longer. You know? Yep. Um, and then there's just Charles going like, oh, hey, do you know how to make a fire from ice? And, you know, Bob's obviously mouthing off on him, going like, yeah, fuck this, fuck that, and, you know, screw you. He's basically sobbing and, like, full mental breakdown, and Charles just waits. And the second he stops, he goes, Hey, Bob, do you know how to make a fire with ice? Do you know, do you, know mm-hmm. you can make a fire with ice? No, that's good stuff. That, it's that, that scene in particular was a good one. So, honestly, I think the greatest strength about this movie is Anthony Hopkins' character, Charles. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he had the most growth and development. Granted, he's the main character, so you'd expect that. But it did in a way that kind of surprised me. So, I mean, starting off, obviously we know he's a millionaire, he's got his own plane, yada yada. So I, I was worried they would just make him a stereotypical millionaire asshole mm-hmm. and develop him into a, like, oh yeah, nature make them more based or whatever, you know? But he, he never really started as a, like an you know, this evil or cold-hearted individual. You see he loves his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems distracted by a couple things, sure, but that leads into the whole, hey, everyone wants something from him. So I can understand him being paranoid. And he really starts coming to himself. It's a weird way to put it, I know. But he really starts uh, building himself up when they're in that situation in the forest where we really see him shine and see how he became a millionaire. He had to work for it. See, he's no pushover. He takes charge right away. You know, he, he messes up with the compass thing at first. Sure, but he's like, okay, yeah, I did it. So what? Okay, let's find South. You know, and he's constantly doing that through the whole movie. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. We can't stop. The bears are chasing us. We got to kill the bear. And I really like that about his character. Instead of starting off just an asshole and somehow flipping halfway, he starts off with a good base, and it's a natural flow mm-hmm. as he takes charge more. As he, be, you know, becomes a fucking bear killer or Hannibal Lecter after. Who knows? This could be a weird prequel. <laughs> but <laughs> that's true. No, I, 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 I really like that. Uh, this movie is my favorite part of the movie. It's the camaraderie, the camaraderie between him and Bob is good, and I, I I do like it overall. But it's really Anthony Hopkins' characters, Charles, just overall growth that I really like. It it it, it stretches this. It not stretches. It uh, exclaims this in the end where they ask him like, "Hey, how'd your friends die?" And he said, "You know, they died helping me live to make sure I lived." And I think there's two meanings to that. It's in the obvious physical sense, like they literally helped him survive, but it's also in this spiritual sense of he is like reunited the spark in his life. He did something he never thought he could do. And I, and I really liked that about the film. I thought it was a really cool little angle for it. And it was obviously the best part of the film, in my opinion. I'd have to agree. Definitely. And I mean, uh, a lot of that character stuff you were talking about, um, kind of helped out with one of the the the, the later scenes where uh, they they make it to that cabin where that one guy was supposed to be staying uh the guy that they were going out into the wilderness to interview and and take photos of um and it's when they get there that uh you know both characters pick up on the fact that now that they've gotten somewhere where it's safe 
that they can camp out at and wait until they can, you know, plan a way back. Or just wait until somebody shows up with Charles in relation to Bob. Charles isn't needed anymore in terms of uh, Bob relying on him. And uh, when Bob finds a rifle with plenty of rounds, uh, <laughs> Charles pretty much picks up not too long after that that, oh, okay, no, 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 he is, he is going to go through with that now that uh, he doesn't need me anymore. Bob nearly kills him, uh, taking him outside to uh, shoot him in the back. Uh, but Bob, I mean, he has to do it kind of tipsy, getting into some whiskey and stuff like that that's at the cabin, uh, because he doesn't really feel like he can go through with it. And I mean, he even says, hey, turn around in order uh, for me to shoot you and stuff like that. But Charles doesn't do that. And Bob could just pull the trigger, but he can't because he just feels that conflict. And kind of talking about Charles as a character, it was just very surprising. But also, given his setup and development, understandable that he was so accepting of Bob basically taking him outside to kill him. And you can read that as two different ways. One, he knew Bob couldn't do it. Or, he's accepted, alright, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. Because he's just not the kind of person to dwell on the doom and gloom that situations put on him. He's gotten that far, but, you know, he never... Well, no, he did say that we'll eventually get there, but that could just be as more of like a pep talk sort of thing. But, no, 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 uh, good scene, good sort of progression of both of their characters, really. If I could also highlight one other thing I really liked about the movie, uh, there's a lot of foreshadowing that is not on the nose, and it plays itself up really well when it comes back to bite them in the ass. Uh, for one thing, they are constantly mentioning uh, these little pits called deadfalls that have, like, those spears and, like, pointy bits at the bottom. And uh, it's at the cabin where um, Bob is about to shoot Charles that he accidentally falls into one of the the, the deadfalls and uh, gets his leg impaled. Later on in the movie, he does. Sadly, right as the helicopter is showing up to save them, he dies from bleeding out and just you know, disease from the uh, his leg wound getting infected, more likely. Which is very tragic. And again, plays into that whole thing that you were talking about beautifully, Sam, of uh, they, they died saving my life, both physically and, much like you were saying, spiritually. So, fellas, I mean, I think I already know the answer, but recommendations. Would you say yay or nay? I would say so. It's it, it's not a movie that's trying a whole lot. Like, it is just, you know, it, it ain't going to be the highest of cinema, but I think as just a, a little uh, man-against-nature sort of a thing, especially with Bart constantly chasing them, <laughs> it's interesting. And it plays up that, um, that, that sense of danger very well, both in terms of uh, the bear chasing them which is like a freaking freight train that just never stops chasing them ever. Uh, but also just, you know, the environment sort of putting all that pressure and um, danger on them. Uh, I guess one way you could look at it is, I mean, in a, in a way, the bear's kind of unnecessary because the danger that Bob 
would I mean ultimately represents, but I think the I guess you could look at it. The bear's more of a metaphor for the hostility between the two main characters, Bob and Charles. This constant looming threat mm-hmm. that in the end is resolved because they kill that bear and it's it, they bury the hatch between them as well, and that's why Charles is so confident that Bob would have not pulled that trigger. Because that bear of quote unquote bear of hostility between them is just it's already dead. They overcame it together in a way. But uh, besides my tirade, yeah, yeah, no, I, I would recommend this movie. It's a very solid film, and that's, that's and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just solid. It's just good. Oh yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. if you want a good man versus nature movie, I mean, go ahead and watch it because uh, <laughs> um, apparently part of the reason why so much of the danger. Uh, felt so real is because there was a bit of danger when shooting the movie. Dear Lord, I was I was reading some of the trivia. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins in particular uh, was at the receiving end of uh, nearly dying a couple times and just overall having a couple outside forces uh, sort of color his performance in a way. Uh, apparently, there was one time where he was uh, taking painkillers for a neck problem he was having because apparently he had a slipped disc throughout the movie uh, production. Uh, He fell into a river and didn't feel how cold it was until he began to suffer from hypothermia and had to be rushed to a hospital, which likely, given this was in the middle of nowhere, uh, was quite a distance in order to be treated. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, no. Funny thing I just remembered, too. Anthony Hopkins was in a movie before this with the same bear oh he was oh yeah, that explains just... why also he he talks so highly of bart the bear let, let, let's take our yeah. moment to just appreciate bart uh bart the bear is a professionally trained uh bear actor yep he actually uh passed away in uh well he got cancer in 1998 but passed away in mm-hmm. 2000 and actually yeah. was the spokesperson for animal uh, cancer. Hmm. Very cool. Oh, uh, Spokesbear. The actual, his Wikipedia article quotes him as a spokesbear. Well, there we go. <laughs> yeah, apparently this movie was his final acting role. And uh, Anthony Hopkins, I mean, um, he especially talked very highly of uh, Bart and and. and would go as far as to like talk to uh, talk of him as if, you know, he he was an actor just like uh, him and Alec. When are we gonna get a bear union for acting roles? Look, I'm not saying it would be a bad idea, but I'm just saying I can't hide up on a tree because bears can climb. Ah, uh, <laughs> that's true. That's All right, true. Ian, I have a proposal. I just looked it up. Bart the bear has uh-huh. his own website, and one of oh. the link says. Hire the bears. <laughs> oh, they're unionizing. Nah, nah, oh, we can, Lord. We can get a bear in the podcast studio. I can hire a bear. <laughs> Good God. It might be a not. little difficult uh, to set up all that audio equipment. He might just eat the microphone. <laughs> or the people inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. Well, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If if these are actor bears, I would assume that the only way that these bears are coming within a hundred yards of a filming location is if everybody is sure that the bear isn't going to nom nom on some of the cast and crew. 
shit. You know? You you would think so, and I'm going to go with that uh, that idea because, oh lord, uh, Bart was really getting into his role in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> The, the idea of actor animals, you know, uh, you have to wonder, oh, well, how much of them being the animals that they're trying to portray actually comes across in the movie? Uh, pretty damn well. Uh, Bart looks very angry in a lot of this movie, and it is impressive that, uh, you know, an animal as big as a Kodiak is able to be uh, uh, tamed and trained in a way where he can just play pretend, essentially. Yep. You know? I think one of my favorite parts with him, though, is where there is the log that they're trying to cross, and he's just happily, like, jumping and shaking the end of it to try to knock him down. You know, it was it was all fun and games. For the bear, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, you know what? I think we've all gathered our bearings about mm. the recommendation for this movie, so I now I got... <laughs> well, too bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I wish to know, Harrison, I, yeah. I believe... You know, I, I think it's time for you to recommend a movie. All right. Yes. To, to spare Ian from more bears, I will not recommend a Paddington double feature, but <laughs> instead, I will go with uh, Baby Driver. Love that movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. Fantastic uh, cinematography. I think that, oh, wow. This is going to be our first musical. Actually, no, second musical. <laughs> it's still 5555 was a musical. Our first live act, our first live action musical. Nice. Oh yeah. Hopefully we can do this one more time. But till then, that this has been our inciting moment. Indeed, Harrison. Glad to have you on, and I look forward to your many escapades on this show. And for the rest yep. of you guys, until then, take care. We'll catch you on the flip side. Bye 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 everybody.